More local content. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Now, two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. It is Saturday, December 7th. Thank you for joining us for the morning. Hope you're doing all right, waking up, getting that coffee going. I am Maurice Boyd, local attorney here in Myrtle Beach with the firm of Davis and Boyd, attorneys at law. I'm your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in as we help everybody get their Saturday morning off on the right foot. Saturday morning coffee, we invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee, and join us as we talk about the news, current events, what's happening in the world, all the things that we think you need to know. A lot going on. Starting to feel a little bit like Groundhog Day out there, but uh, we'll get through that here at Saturday morning coffee. We're all about limited government lower taxes, more freedom, and, of course, great coffee in no particular order. (laughs) We do our best here at Saturday Morning Coffee not only to entertain but also to enlighten you, help make you a better citizen of the republic. There, There is a veritable enlightenment going on around here, Glenn, every Saturday morning. I'm enlightened every morning with yeah. you. Well, we tr- we do our best. I don't we know do if it's the jet fuel coffee that we drink uh, or it's the high octane stuff. I think it's you, man. It's high octane, high octane caffeine. Again, I am Reese Boyd, local attorney with the firm of Davis and Boyd here in town, and part-time radio host. I'm your guide and your narrator on this expedition, and I'm joined here in the studio. You just heard his lovely, mellow voice. <laughs> mellow. <laughs> By our producer extraordinaire, Mr. Glenn Dye. Glenn, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Good job yesterday on the, um, I'm sorry, it was the day before yesterday, wasn't it? No, it was yesterday. Oh, on the, uh, on uh, Liz the, Calloway on the Liz show? Yeah, it was yesterday morning. Yeah, yesterday morning. I, yeah, we I, had fun. Nick uh, Nick and I were doing the uh, six to eight rotation. And right. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Good. Had a good time. Good. Thank I was you. the boss with you coming in late. Oh, that's right. You are the boss. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Everybody was fine. Everybody everybody at the office enjoys when I'm on the radio because they just kind of stop what they're doing and listen to the radio. So they have they have fun. So are you... So, uh, did, so did we do okay? Yeah. Are you interested in a morning show at some point or what's your, what's your feeling on that? I mean, because well, you seem to be a is natural. It, isn't that what this is? Yeah, I'm talking Monday through Friday. Oh, oh regular man. morning. You, you, drive. Want, you want to you want to make a real job out of this? Well, I mean, and then you could go to the law office after your. Done. See, this is this is this is sort of a hobby. As my wife tells me, it's a time-consuming hobby. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're talking about a real job. They haven't they haven't uh, they haven't thought about expanding me into real vocational. <laughs> I haven't taken the vocational aptitude battery for uh, radio broadcasting, so we'll have to think about that. Yeah. One. Um, again, I am Reese Boyd, local attorney here at uh, Davis and Boyd Attorneys at Law, joined in the studio by our producer extraordinaire, Glenn Dye. We invite you guys also to join the discussion by calling, texting, tweeting, emailing. We, we take all types. Of, we even get the smoke signals. Glenn walks out in the parking lot every five <laughs> minutes and looks for smoke signals. So you guys can be in touch however you communicate. Uh, the call in line, 843-903-2945. You can text us on the text line. Got our text list of deplorables. I already see a couple of people might be chiming in, looks like. 
843-798-8255. You can tweet me. This is uh, my Twitter account, Reese Boyd, at Reese Boyd, the, the at sign followed by Reese Boyd. You can email your comments. Got a couple of uh, emails this week from listeners to the show. Reese Boyd, SMC, that's Reese Boyd Saturday Morning Coffee, Reese Boyd, SMC, at gmail.com. And a few of you have called my office. Feel free. Not, not everybody's fully awake on Saturday morning. Some folks are listening to the podcast and getting us in other formats. So not everybody's listening live. So if you want to call, sometimes catch up, talk about issues, talk about the law, let me know. I'm at 843-839-9800. That is the main number there at the firm. Uh, Davis and Boyd would be glad to hear from you. Love to hear from listeners. Had a call from a listener this week. And uh, got, a, got a couple of uh, story topics to share and to rehash uh, based on those emails that we got this week. As I said a moment ago here at Saturday Morning Coffee, We're all about limited government, lower taxes, because that means more freedom for you and me and for all of us who are we the people. We've got a country to save, and it starts with you and me right here on the local level. So let's get to it. We invite you to pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee. Join us as we get our Saturday mornings off and rolling. Wanted to start, uh, Glenn, you mentioned yesterday morning by thanking Liz and Javi Air, who uh, they sat in for me last Saturday. Yeah, we I, had a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounded, a lot of laughs. I listened to the podcast. They did. They always do a great job. Yeah, I have a lot of fun with them, and they are, um, they're a great couple. Yeah. So we were out of town last Saturday. We went to the game. Uh, Williams Bryce had a lot of fun, really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. So thanks to Liz and Javi for sitting in for us, listening to the podcast after I got back. They did a great job, as always. Um, and by the way, I think they are, you mentioned yesterday, they are actually out of town because they're in Asheville mm-hmm. with the, uh, with the field trip yep, the, at the, the bit more, the, Biltmore. the, the, the listener, the yep. listener field trip, <clears throat> excuse me, the listener field trip to the Biltmore, beautiful place. If you guys have not been to Biltmore estate, um, it is worth the drive. And this time of year at Christmas is a beautiful time to go, um, you know, you go, I don't know if you've ever, ever been to Biltmore, but you're up in the mountains there at the foot of the Blue Ridge in Asheville, which is a lovely town. And the drive, have you been to Biltmore, Glenn? I, I have not, but it's, I do see that discount tickets are available at Costco. Costco. Yeah. Wow. I hadn't seen that. I want to go. Uh, but yeah, you, the drive that you take into um, the uh, compound, I guess is the word, the campus, which it's not even, a, it's, it's more than that, but you, the drive you take is just beautiful. There's a Interesting uh, story I read about uh, the uh, the guy who uh, laid all that out, laid the house out for uh, the, the Vanderbilt who built the original mansion, uh, uh, landscape architect. Uh, was Olmstead, I think his name was, William Law Olmstead. Anyway, okay. he's good. just a beautiful, uh, you, you come in the drive and it can, the, the road kind of meanders through the valley and you open up on this vista and you see the house. It's just a wonderful, wonderful time. We've taken our kids up there a couple of times. But uh, so they're up there. I hope you guys are having a safe, fun trip. I'm sure they're listening, hanging on every mm-hmm. word we say. Yeah. Um, but I hope you guys are having fun, travel safe, getting home. And as you mentioned, uh, Glenn, I did actually host for uh, a co-host in Liz. I substituted for Liz yesterday. That was a lot of fun. Nick and I had a great time with that. And uh, so, Liz, thanks for sitting in for me last week. And thanks for letting me sit in for you uh, yesterday, and which, was, uh, which was a lot of fun. So, yeah, last week we were up at the game. <laughs> and uh, yeah. that was, yeah, I would say interesting. Hey, you won. Fun. It was fun. You won. It was fun. It was, a, it was sort of a low energy game. 
um, it wasn't, as you said, the, the rooster crowing, and after a while, the whole thing just got a little bit uh, tiresome. But I can't was, imagine. But it, it was fun. I it can't fun. imagine sitting there for all those hours hearing that rooster crow. <laughs> every five minutes. That's the effect. That is the, that is the effect. I, I will say this. <clears throat> we'll talk a little bit about this. The, the intro at the stadium where uh, the Gamecocks come in to the 2001 uh, theme uh-huh. is one of the most impressive intros uh, in college football, but some of the other stuff they do, I'm not so not so sold on. But yeah. uh, it was. Uh, let, so let me say this: Go Tigers! Yes, as you said, we did win 38 to three. I'd say that's a rather mm, convincing uh, victory, if that's what you want to call it. I don't <laughs> think I don't think there was anybody in the stadium, uh, with the possible exception of Will Muschamp, uh, <laughs> that was really surprised. But um, it was, was it a quiet ride home? Because the rest of your family are game. Yeah, I, yeah. Fans, we, right? we, we we talked about this. It was. I'm. I am the sole tiger in my family. It was. Uh, it was. But uh, yeah, we had uh, we had fun with it. We laugh about it. So they they still love me, even though I'm uh, I'm the lone tiger. As I tell my wife, and I'm not sure how she. I'm not sure how. I really am not <laughs> fairly clear on how she managed to win the populace. You know how she got the hearts and minds of the people, and I I went over two, and she went two and zero. Oh. And uh, but we'll figure that out. As I tell her, there's still there's still plenty of time on the clock. So. Well, I think she has more opportunity to go out and buy the kids' clothes uh, than yeah. have the Gamecocks on them than you do for shopping she does. for Clemson stuff. She does, but, you know, it's it's fun. We, we laugh about it. But I, I said, I, I told uh, friends on Facebook before the game that we're a house divided. They said, dude, you're... Your house isn't divided, man. You're an island. You're an outcast. Yeah, I saw that. You've been voted. You've been voted off the island, yeah. dude. So I am the lone tiger. But uh, but hey, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that more. But anyway, thanks for joining us this morning. Stick with us. We'll be right back after these important words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour. And more coming up next on Talk 94.5. Kiss results driven. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. Good morning. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. It is Saturday, December 7, 2019. I am Reese Boyd, your host here on the Saturday Morning Coffee program, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, now two hours long. Two hours. Two hours. As I told them yesterday, uh, Glenn, we were laughing about it. I told Nick it's the hour that keeps on giving. Yeah. Yeah. So... (laughs) Thanks to the support of our loyal listeners and some good feedback, uh, the station has expanded the show. I think this is, is this our fifth two-hour show, fourth. Anyway, I think it's, it's the fourth. fourth. I mean, yeah. we're, we're getting there. We're we're uh, we've got a few notches on the belt. So, thank y'all for listening and your encouraging uh, feedback. So we are now a two-hour hour show. That's the second cup hour we call it coming up in the uh, eight o'clock hour. And so we've got a great show for you today. Wanted to. I will say this, Glenn, we were talking before the break about my kids, and I, I have lost the battle for now for the hearts and minds of my two children. They're both Carolina fans, but having said that, as I told uh, Nick yesterday, there's still plenty of time on the clock. They're, they're mm-hmm. still young. Any of our uh, loyal listeners out there got any ideas for me, uh, let me know. I, um, we were on the way to the game, and we stopped by um, 
we stopped by Rivals in Florence to get some stuff. And so I walked into the, uh, we all walked into the, the Rivals and I told them on the way in, I said, I will buy you anything in the store, anything you want, as long as it's orange. <laughs> I got no takers. I got no takers. No takers. We, we were checking out, we were checking out and, um, we were checking out in the uh, the in the little the the, the knickknacks they have there at the checkout. They had some Christmas, one Christmas tree ornament, and my daughter looked at me and she said, "Dad, we need a Carolina Christmas tree ornament." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Sweetheart," and we and we do have a couple of Christmas tree ornaments for Clemson at home that right. I that I had. My my parents gave me one for the nineteen the eighty one uh, championship, and and I, somehow I got a twenty sixteen one. I forget exactly where that one came from, but I, I looked at her. I said, oh, "Sweetheart." The Christmas tree ornaments that we have for Clemson all commemorate national championships. And if Carolina wins a national football championship, we'll get a Christmas tree ornament to commemorate that. Hey, you should have said if they do that, you'll get a tree topper. A tree topper, yeah. yeah. And, and, and she looked at me like, mm. <laughs> you know, and, and, the, and of course the clerk just laughed and laughed and laughed. Uh. But anyway, it was, it was, you know, one thing I did think about after the game, let me ask this question. And I will, and I, I have divided loyalties. I had some family members gave me a hard time because I am a graduate of USC law, by the way, right. and did not, and did not, by the way, go to Clemson for undergrad. But I grew up, my dad was a Clemson grad and I grew up going to Death Valley for football games. And once your blood is orange, your blood is orange in mm-hmm. this state, you know? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I've, you know, once a tiger, always a tiger. And so well, we that that did that funny photograph and the comments on Facebook did spark some family debates this week. But uh, I pull for Carolina. I, I mean, if if Carolina's playing Alabama, right. there ain't nobody in the world pull ever pull for any team any harder than I'm pulling for Carolina when I watch that game. Right. I pull for Carolina all the time. I am a graduate of USC law. I have a USC degree hanging on my wall, as some of my relatives have duly noted this week. <laughs> But uh, nonetheless, I am a Clemson fan. But I'll pull for Carolina every time except when they play Clemson. And when they play Clemson, I'm going to be dressed out in orange and screaming for the Tigers. But it's funny. I thought about this, uh, Glenn. I got a question for you. You know, we have a segment here on uh, Saturday Morning Coffee that that, uh, is called Things That Make You Go, Hmm. Mm -hmm. one of my my favorite segments. I thought about this. It was Thanksgiving. I don't know why this came to my mind. I don't know why I think this way. But I did. You remember the story, Glenn, about uh, not this is not Massachusetts Bay, but New York, New Amsterdam. We bought we bought Manhattan Island from the Indians mm-hmm. for about twenty five dollars, as I recall. It was a handful of trinkets, basically some shiny objects, some smooth stones. The story that I always heard it was a mark retail mark suggested retail market price of about twenty five dollars. Okay, we swapped for Manhattan Island. Okay. So we bought Manhattan Island for $25, but yet, just to get Will Muschamp on the next bus out of town is going to cost us $19.5 million. Wow. How does that work? I mean, let that, let, let that sink in. Yeah. Let that sink in. We, we paid $25 for Manhattan, <laughs> but just to get Will Muschamp to drag his sorry rear end out of the building is going to cost us $19.5 million. Million dollars doesn't sound like the art of the deal was uh, happening let, there. Yeah, huh? let, let that one sink in. <laughs> let that one money. sink in. Oh my goodness gracious! Anybody, I would submit to you, anybody who has anything to do <laughs> with that number, they need to be on the bus also. But mm-hmm. that's just one man's opinion. As I love to say on this program, take that three bucks and go get a cup of coffee. So. Mm-hmm.
Anyway, I wanted to uh, I wanted to, to uh, take a moment, um, Glenn. As you know, it is December seven, nineteen nineteen. It's December seven, two thousand nineteen, and uh, it is, of course, uh, the seventy. What is it? The seventy eighth anniversary mm-hmm. of the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. And so I'm also thinking about that uh, this morning and uh, wanted to take a moment to uh, share with you guys some thoughts on uh, Pearl Harbor. Also, even for other reasons, Pearl Harbor been in the news, but wanted to take a moment first and foremost after we got through our uh, Clemson, Carolina banner to remind you guys of a very somber date in our nation's history. That is, of course, Pearl Harbor Day which I think since sometime in the 90s has been a national uh, day of remembrance, uh, formally declared by Congress, I think, back in 1994. It was on this day in December of 1941 that a surprise raid on the major U.S. naval base near Honolulu on Oahu left more than 2,400 Americans dead and, and in short order brought the United States into World War II, Um, Congress did designate the National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day uh, as December 7. They did that in August of 1994. And about now, uh, actually, shortly before 8 a.m. on Sunday, December 7, 1941, hundreds of Japanese planes made the surprise raid on Pearl Harbor. Also, a peace negotiation team in Washington at the same time negotiating a peace treaty, for what that's worth. But uh, during the attack, which was launched from several aircraft carriers, nearly 20 American naval vessels, including eight battleships, were damaged or destroyed, as well as more than 300 aircraft. And, you know, as Pearl Harbor begins to fade, uh, some, some of us forget what a momentous occasion it was, how incredibly horrific it was uh, it was unprecedented at the time and and there's never been anything else exactly quite like it we've had other horrific days 9-11 was a certainly a horrific day that m- all of us mostly remember now but uh, still remember but nonetheless uh, at, up until that time uh, Pearl Harbor was unprecedented mm-hmm. uh, the official death toll was 2,403 mm-hmm. according to the Pearl Harbor Visitor Bureau including 2,008 Navy personnel, 109 Marines, 218 service members, and 68 civilians. Of the dead, 1,177 were killed aboard the USS Arizona, the wreckage of which uh, now rests at the bottom of the harbor, at Pearl Harbor, and it serves as a memorial to the incident. 55 Japanese combatants were also killed. The total number Wounded was 1,143, including 710 Navy personnel, 69 Marines, uh, 364 Army, and 103 uh, civilians. Until the raid, uh, the U.S. had hesitated to join World War II, which had started previously in September of 1939 when Germany had invaded Poland. And in those nearly two and a half years, the U.S. had extensively aided the United Kingdom, virtually the sole source of resistance to the Nazi war machine in Europe. But the general mood of isolationism in the U.S., according uh, to uh, most historians, led Roosevelt and Congress uh, to be wary of intervention in what was largely perceived as a European war. Mm -hmm. Pearl Harbor, of course, uh, changed that perception in one day. 
Um, it was incredibly in, in, uh, graphic and in its uh, devastation. Um, <clears throat> there were, you know, obviously news accounts, the US, uh, photos of the USS West Virginia battleship uh, sinking, uh, f- the um, uh, various newsreels of the, of the Japanese uh, bomber torpedo planes uh, passing over, over uh, the base and, and bombing. The ships, uh, just a horrific event that instantly, um, you know, instantly swung and mobilized U.S. public opinion um, into, uh, you know, motivating us to get into the war. But a, a very uh, sad day for the, for the country, 2,400 dead. Uh, and I thought, Glenn, just to remember that moment, we would take uh, a few moments of silence in uh, remembrance of those honored dead. Let's do that right now. Thank you. So we thank you for your service. Those of you who are in uniform, those families who had family members at uh, Pearl Harbor. My, you know, my granddad was um, in the in the uh, army in World War II. He was not in the Pacific Theater. He was in the European Theater, but he still he he uh, passed away several years ago. But he would tell uh, very graphic stories about you know what they were doing December 7, 1941. Very detailed stories about how they got the news and they were all immediately called back to base and. Just a fascinating time, and we don't really appreciate fully what um, you know how how um, you know how how much uh, we have been threatened and how we've come through various uh, challenges as a nation. But uh, the stories that he would tell, and we've never experienced anything like that, certainly in our lifetimes, in my right. opinion. But um, nonetheless, uh, what a tribute to the generation that got us through uh, World War II and brought us out on the other side. Uh, Pearl Harbor also, interestingly enough, also been in the news uh, this week uh, for other reasons. There was a shooting at Pearl Harbor, um, 23 seconds of gunfire. A U.S. Navy sailor, this was early in the week, I believe this was Wednesday, fatally shot two people at Pearl Harbor before killing himself. Uh, was unhappy that uh, his uh, commanders had been, uh, with various decisions they'd been making, and he'd been undergoing counseling. I think there was some speculation on the Internet that that might have been connected to terrorism or the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Uh, what they're saying now is that that was just a, um, uh, just a, a, a generally disgruntled sailor and, and an isolated event. Uh, but there were um, uh, the um, uh, fatal, two people that were fatally shot as a result of that at the, at the base. And, and um, Have you been to the memorial in, in uh, on Oahu? You know, I never mm-hmm. have. That's like one of the few places on my bucket list well i've got yeah. a few more but i've got a few but no i have actually never been to the when you land in when you land in hawaii it yeah. is a great feeling as you're flying in looking at where you're going to be spending your vacation and how beautiful it is and the whole first few days are just filled with bliss and happiness and then you go to the memorial and it really puts you in check yeah uh, it really makes you realize how lucky you are and how blessed we are um Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And um, last I'll share real quick, we've got to head into a break, but the uh, Pearl Harbor Veterans uh, Association announced that there will be a, there is one final veteran, a survivor of the USS Arizona, Mm. uh, to be interred on the ship. And uh, his uh, uh, name is Lauren Bruner. And he's a survivor of the USS Arizona. He's holding in this photo. I see, I'm looking at a 19 photo, 1940 photo of himself. And he has finally passed away. He died earlier this year in 2019 at the age of 98. 
And uh, so he will be interred. Uh, divers will place Bruner's ashes inside the battleship wreckage, uh, which sits in Pearl Harbor where it sank during the attack. And, uh, and uh, the Southern California man will be the 44th and the last crew member of the USS Arizona crew to be interred in accordance with this rare Navy ritual. He is the last of three, li- the last three living Arizona uh, survivors plan to be laid to rest with their families. Wow. So hats off to his family. Our respects, Man. deep appreciation to all who have served and do serve. Stick with us. We'll be right back with more Saturday morning coffee. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. We heard a rumor that Santa's coming to Myrtle Beach on a month. To a better you. Sponsored by SCAPA and broadcast in cooperation with SCBA and this station. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. Good morning, Saturday, December 7, 2019, 7.37 a.m. in this lovely Saturday morning. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd, your host. Thank you for joining us. Hope you guys are getting stirring, getting that coffee going. Um, Before we went to uh, our remembrance of Pearl Harbor on this Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day, we were talking a little football, Glenn, wanted to... uh, Wrap up a, a little bit of the football talk. Uh, shout out to our good friends up in Green Sea. Green Sea uh, took the national, the national, <laughs> that'd be great. Green Sea took the state title in their division. Um, and uh, congratulations uh, to them. We've got uh, uh, one state champ from O'Ree County now. And uh, as the uh, O'Ree, uh, Maori News put it, it puts Green Sea on the map. I mean, technically they were on the map already, but mm-hmm. it is uh, it is officially on the map now, thanks to uh, the football team. Um, but, but, uh, the um, uh, Myrtle Beach Seahawks uh, later today will be at williams Bryce taking on Wren. So uh, we got uh, a lot going on, and um, that game is for the State 4A title. So good luck to the Seahawks. Hope you guys can... Uh, can uh, can prevail and uh, bring home another state title back to O'Ree County. That'll make two. So good for them. And good luck to the game. You guys travel safe and be safe. And and uh, and like I said, knock them knock them dead. Uh, not literally, but win. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, so uh, good uh, good good on the uh, Green Sea folks. And uh, good luck to uh, Myrtle Beach. Hopefully that uh, all is uh, is going to go well this afternoon at Williams Bryce. Speaking of Williams Bryce, wonder if they'll be doing the. Uh, the sound effects at Williams Bryce. I hope not. 
<laughs> I hope not. I, I mean, I like the sound effects, but it, they just played that cockadoodle-doo way little, too yeah, often. It, little, it's like having a rooster next door to you. I'm sure yeah. it's really nice at first, you know, waking you know, up to the sound of a rooster. But I bet after a for moment, a for a time for a time, yeah. I, sometimes I have a habit of of setting alarms very early and not always responding to them. For a time, I had a phone, i uh, an iPhone <laughs> alarm. That was set to do the the rooster crowing. My my wife put the kibosh on the rooster crowing. That was uh, that lasted about two days. She (laughs) threatened to make me sleep on the couch. But uh, anyway, that's another story. Uh, Wanted to give you guys uh, wanted to touch base. We something we've talked about uh, on uh, the program before. Uh, Interesting movie coming out. I think you guys need to be aware of. It's called No Safe Spaces. Haven't seen a lot about it in the in the mainstream press or in the mainstream. lamestream press however you want to describe it but it's it involves a a lot of interesting folks are involved and and the 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 gist of the movie is talking about what is happening on college campuses all over uh, the country in terms of creating an environment where if you say something that is going to offend it's like if the least of those among us are going to be offended by anything that you say you need to be quiet and unfortunately, what this translates to is an environment where there really is no free speech, because once you have uh, limitations on speech and it starts to become a question of what you can say versus what you can't say, then then speech really isn't uh, free. So it's a fascinating movie. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I still have not seen it in its entirety. I'm hoping that we can uh, that we can get um, uh, to. Uh, you know, to get the get to a theater that has it right now. I, cl- I check the website. The website you go to no safe spaces, um, no safe spaces dot com, and you can get more information about it. Adam Carolla is involved in it. I don't know if you know Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager is involved in it. Uh, Dennis Prager, of course, has the uh, talk show uh, that airs here on the radio station on the weekdays. I think he's twelve to three, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, but great uh, show that Dennis does. I've I have personally learned a lot. I never listened to Dennis Prager until WTKN came on the air uh, a few months back, and as a result of that and and this involvement, the show and all that, I I, I became a kind of a listener of Dennis Prager when I have uh, an opportunity, and I love his show. He's v- extremely thoughtful, and uh, helps me uh, think about things in a in a in a you know in a different light sometimes. But uh, it keeps uh, keeps me questioning. But the other folks involved in this film as well. It's not a bunch of conservative talk show hosts. Uh, Cornell West is involved. Van Jones is involved. Alan Dershowitz is involved. So there are folks. Acro- it's interesting to me. There are folks across the spectrum uh, that are involved in this effort to produce this movie. And the clips that I have seen from it, I I, I should have gotten a clip for y'all. Actually, we do have a clip. Have you got the John Cleese clip? I think that. I'm not sure if the Cleese clip. One of the things I was thinking about, you know, if you could pull that, Glenn, I didn't give you any notice, I'm sorry. But one of the things, you know, and this is not just happening in other places like Oberlin or the University of Wisconsin-Madison that we know are just, you know, off the uh, off the scale on the left. And, I mean, this is happening uh, locally. I was involved. Uh, I was involved in litigation involving the College of Charleston and the South Carolina Politics Club, where, frankly, the University of uh, uh, Charleston uh School, uh, the Charleston School, the University of Ch- Charleston uh, was um, Charleston College was uh, College of Charleston. Excuse me, goodness gracious, 
uh, had a policy that was uh, being applied somewhat subjectively, and we challenged it. We, we, there was some litigation. We got it changed. But the ability of students to speak their minds freely is under assault across the board. And it is even happening here in South Carolina, where, frankly, you would think it probably, most of us would think it wouldn't be an issue. But it is. It's happening. It's happening everywhere. And the, the thing that is concerning to me, it should be concerning to all of us, if it's happening on campuses, then that is, the, that is what, you know, the folks who are in school now are going to accept. They're going to become aware that that's the way the world is supposed to work. So it won't be very long. The people who are in school now, they're going to be running the show. So we have to, be, we have to pay attention to what's happening in academia, what's happening on college campuses, because what is happening in academia always ultimately makes its way out into the general society, into the general population. And so the, um, but there's a, a ton of things that are happening where uh, people are finding their free, spree, their free speech rights, uh, you know, compromised. So have you got the Cleese clip? Yeah, I do, actually. What, you know, one of the things I've, I've noticed time and time again is I think about, uh, I love, you know, I love me some Eddie Murphy. I think mm-hmm. about movies all the time that, you know, that were, you know, 10, 20 years old that you probably couldn't even make today, you know? And, and you know, you've seen what's happened to Dave Chappelle. A lot of comedians yeah. that can't even say things. I mean, you know, I mean, frankly, just candidly, Eddie Murphy used to, I mean, he picked on everybody. He picked mm-hmm. on white people. Mm-hmm. We know when we were younger, we laughed at it. You know, we, we didn't take everything so seriously. Seriously. And, yeah. uh, you know, but anyway, yeah, roll the roll the police clip, if you would. I'm offended every day. For example, the British newspapers every day offend me with their laziness, their nastiness and their inaccuracy. But I'm not going to expect someone to stop that happening. I should just simply speak out about it. You know, and sometimes when people are offended, they want somebody to just come in and say, Right, stop that to whoever is offending them. And of course, as a former um, chairman of the BBC once said, there are some people one would wish to offend. And I think there's truth in that. That's a good point. So the idea that you have to be protected from any kind of uncomfortable emotion is one I absolutely do not describe, uh, subscribe to. And a fellow that I helped write to um, books about psychology and psychiatry. He was a renowned psychiatrist in London called Robin Skinner, said something very interesting to me. He said, if people can't control their own emotions, then they have to start trying to control other people's behavior. And when you're around super sensitive people, you cannot relax and be spontaneous because you have no idea what's going to upset them next. And that's why I've been warned recently, don't go to most university campuses, because the political correctness has been taken from being a good idea, which is let's not be mean, particularly to people who are not able to look after themselves very well. That's a good idea, to the point where any kind of criticism of any individual or group can be labeled um, cruel. And the whole point about humor, the whole point about comedy, and believe you me, I've thought about this, is that all comedy is critical. Even if you make a very inclusive joke, like um, how do you make God laugh, answer, tell him your plans. Now, 
I like that one. The human condition. It's not excluding anyone. It's Tell God what your plans are. Plans which probably won't come. And it's funny how we still believe they're going to happen. So that's a very inclusive journey. It's still critical. All humor is critical. And if you start saying, oh, we mustn't, we mustn't criticize or offend them, then humor's gone. With humor goes a sense of proportion. And then as far as I'm concerned, you're living in 1984. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, and it's a great point, you know, because the, uh, the, the once you are un, um, uninhibited, and, and, and the interesting point, one of the key points he made, and I, I like that clip for this reason, <clears throat> if you can't control your own emotions, then you have to control the actions of others. Right. And that's kind of where we are moving. That's where we are on many college campuses today. And it's very dangerous, very concerning. So I encourage everybody to check out No Safe Spaces, uh, the website, nosafespaces.com. And also call the theater. Call the theater at Market Common. Call the theater over at uh, Coastal Grand. Tell them you want to see this movie. Um, tell them they need to get on the website, schedule uh, a showing of the movie. And, and maybe we'll get it in the local area. We won't have to drive to Greenville. So uh, let's uh, take a break, hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back with more Saturday Morning Coffee. Local news and more. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Good morning, everybody. Saturday morning coffee, 7.52 a.m. on your Saturday morning. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning us in. Hope your Saturday morning is going well. And uh, this is the final segment of the first hour. I had to bring my growler this morning, Glenn. I had to up my game. I see that, man. That's a, that's a pretty big thermos you got there. So I'm ready for the, uh, I'm ready for the second cup hour. And I hope you guys will stick with us past the break into the bonus hour, the second cup hour of Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, now two hours long. Um, wanted to touch on the impeachment. I know it's starting to feel like Groundhog Day, uh, Glenn. It's like all, as Mitch McConnell would say, all impeachment, all the time. And uh, it is really getting a bit tiresome, I think, for all of us. And the funny thing is, I don't think, most Americans are even paying attention to what the Democrats are saying at mm. this point. Not it, anymore. It, 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 I think it, if you if you pulled, I think I said this. If you listened yesterday morning, I'm repeating myself. I apologize, but I, my theory is, if you pulled a hundred names out of the phone book, now not our listeners. Our listeners are exceptionally well informed. I wish everybody. You know, think about this, Glenn. If everybody in America was as well informed as your average Talk ninety four five listener. Mm-hmm. we'd have no troubles <laughs> we'd be all set we would be all set if we can if we can educate our fellow citizens listeners uh, that's why this show is and everything else like it is so important and that's why we have to educate one another and why we must become better citizens of the republic that's why we're here 
That's why we're doing what we do. It's incredibly important. But I think most Americans have basically tuned it out because we're all busy. And frankly, what they have done is a sham. It's silly. You know, Adam Schiff, I was looking at, at, the, uh, at, the, at, at one of my email summaries. Schiff uh, has called the case against Trump ironclad. I mean, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. Of all the witnesses, think about this. Of all the witnesses they have paraded out, the only witness that had direct knowledge, direct involvement, the only witness who testified, whose testimony wasn't hearsay, was Gordon Sondland, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union. All the other testimony, none of the other testimony, if this had been a court of law, none of the other testimony would have even been admissible. I mean, it's just incredible. It's just incredible what's happened. And I think people have just tuned it out, and yet they think that what they have here is an ironclad case? Are you kidding me? What planet do these people live on? It's insane. And I think, the, uh, I think what's happening is the, uh, the tectonic plates are shifting underneath the, these folks' feet. And I think they understand that. I don't, think, I don't think the Democrats are smart enough to understand the gravity of what they are doing to oh, themselves. Oh, I think they are not smart enough. They are shooting themselves in the foot. I, anyway. think, I think they are making the biggest political miscalculation mm-hmm. that we have ever witnessed in, in modern political uh, American history. Yeah. And, I mean, it is unbelievable to me that they are— just maniacally committed to this course of action. But I said this from the beginning. As soon as she announced, as soon as uh, Pelosi uh, announced the impeachment inquiry, 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 uh, I knew she was 100% committed. I knew Mm. the impeachment of Donald J. Trump was a foregone conclusion. Have we got her? Have we got her? Queued up? Um, Pelosi. I do have her in here sometime. Did I tell you my song that I came up with for Christmas? It's, no, um, you didn't. It's Pelosi is cold inside. <laughs> Baby, she's cold. cold she's cold. She's got, I believe she's got something. Uh, there's something stuck in the polygrip. Uh, there's, there's just some slippage. Slippage? There's some slippage. Going, yeah, she's going, got right. some slippage, all right. Uh, just, it's unbelievable. If you've got her, but the... Of our republic. Yes, in America, America, no one is above the law. Nobody is above the law. Over the past few weeks, <laughs> through the Intelligence Committee working, I'm not sure she's sober. Is she sober? Um, it's hard to tell with her. <laughs> is that before? <laughs> is this after she quotes the con- the uh, Declaration of Independence? Yes. Would you like me to go back to that? Would we you have go a, back to that. Brief? We have a minute here. Some of the yeah. president's own appointees, and having just fought a war, just the fought, yeah, yeah, yeah. they specifically yeah. feared. The prospect of a king president a king. corrupted by foreign influence. A king. During the Constitutional Convention, James Madison, the architect of the Constitution, warned that a president might betray his trust to foreign power. So we have to ask ourselves, fatal. Glenn, why why is she speaking? Why is she speaking in generalities? If you look at the speech, she she starts with a very high arching quote, you know, from the Declaration of Independence. And and all of this is about vague generalities about Trump not being a king, mm-hmm. you know. And and think about that. They're, 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 why do they go to just these general sweeping statements? They go to these general sweeping statements because they don't have any facts. There are no facts. It's just it's it's devoid of any basis in fact. And as a lawyer, I look at this and I just sort of scratch my head. I'm like, what are you crackerheads thinking? What are y'all thinking? 
It, it makes no sense. I, I think we need to limit their budget. I mean, we spent the $33, 35000000 million on Mueller report. I don't know how much this is costing, but the Americans are tired of spending money on this stuff. And let's get you know Congress and Senate to get some stuff done. I couldn't agree more. Let's, uh, they're getting nothing uh, let's get, done. Let's get let's get some trade deals done. Let's help the farmers. Let's do something that's that this this is insanity. But my prediction is it'll backfire. I'll be a little more specific with my predictions after the break. You'll want to write those down so you can keep score at home. Stick with us. We'll be right back with more Saturday morning coffee. Let's ask Tom. Tom Vitt from 8.5 WTKN. Merle's Inlet, Myrtle Beach. The right choice for conservative insight. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. The Democrat-led impeachment inquiry is heading toward a Monday collision with the release of a Justice Department Inspector General's report on the Senate side to coincide with the second hearing by the House Judiciary Committee. Meanwhile, former Trump presidential advisor Dr. Sebastian Gorka says many Americans see some flaws in the Democrats' impeachment process. It's about questioning the fundamental principles of Western judicial practice, the idea that you are allowed to know the name of the person accusing you. We still don't have the identity of the putative whistleblower, that you are allowed to have counsel in chambers that was denied of the president and also that we have transcripts that have still yet to be released by Chairman Schiff. In the House, Democratic lawmakers and aides are working behind closed doors over the weekend as the articles of impeachment are being drafted. The FBI says it's not ready to release the identity of the Saudi aviation student who killed three people yesterday at the Naval Air Station in Pensacola, Florida. FBI Special Agent in Charge, Rachel Rojas. We are not prepared at this hour to confirm what may have motivated the shooter to commit this horrific act today. There are many reports circulating, but the FBI deals only in facts, and this is still very much an active and ongoing investigation. Hiring in the U.S. jumped last month to its highest level since January. PNC Financial Services Group Chief Economist Gus Fauché. We were expecting a good number with the return of the striking GM workers, but adding 266,000 jobs over the month, plus with upward revisions to October and September, very, very strong jobs report. Investors responding on Wall Street, driving the Dow up 337 points to close the week at 28,015. More on these stories at townhall.com. Sebastian Gorka here for Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that was formulated by doctors to help your body deal with inflammation and pain. The reason I've told so many of my friends about the three-week quick start is because as we get older, occasional aches and pains can be a real problem, keeping you from sleeping through the night or doing the things you love and need to do, like taking walks or playing golf, going up or downstairs, or simply playing with your kids or grandkids. Tens of thousands are now like me, glad they ordered the three-week quick start for just nineteen ninety-five. After years of back pain, I found relief, and I believe you could too. Folks, this is why the father and son owners of Relief Factor, Pete and Seth Talbot, created the three-week quick start, and they discounted it to only nineteen ninety-five. Approximately 70% of those who order it go on to order more. Let's see if we can get you out of pain too. Go to relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or call 800-500-8384.
The head of the Federal Aviation Administration set to face questions next week from a congressional panel about the agency's review of the Boeing 737 MAX, which has been involved in two deadly crashes. The House Transportation Committee says FAA Administrator Stephen Dixon will testify at a hearing on December 11th. It's taking much longer than Boeing expected to update the MAX's flight software and computers and put together a pilot training course. It's also not clear whether the company can meet its goal of resuming deliveries of the plane this month. That's correspondent Jeremy House reporting. U.S. consumers ramped up their credit card spending in October. The Federal Reserve said that total consumer borrowing rose in October by a seasonally adjusted $18.9 billion. That's up from a September increase of $9.6 billion, and it was the biggest increase in borrowing in three months, driven, they say, by a jump in the use of credit cards. Breaking news and analysis at townhall.com. A Massachusetts school is cutting ties with a billionaire family that owns OxyContin maker Purdue Pharma. Tufts University says it will strip the Sackler name from its campus and accept no further donations amid concerns over the family's role in the opioid crisis. University officials ended the relationship that has spanned nearly four decades and brought $15 million to the school's science and medical programs. Tufts leaders say they considered the issue for more than a year before concluding it is inconsistent with the school's values to display the family's name. John Scott reporting. The U.S. naval sailor who fatally shot two people at Pearl Harbor before killing himself was unhappy with his commanders and had been undergoing counseling. According to military officials, Gabriel Romero also faced non-judicial punishment, which is a lower-level administrative process for minor misconduct. More details at townhall.com. From Washington, I'm Bob Agnew. State Farm is there. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. Everybody, welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the bonus hour, the second cup hour of Saturday Morning Coffee. Thank you for tuning us in this morning. It is 8.06 a.m. on your Saturday morning here on the Grand Strand. Thanks for joining us. We have a lot more to talk about in the second hour coming up. Taking you to the bright side of the road this morning on uh, Saturday Morning Coffee. Looks like it's going to be a pretty decent day out there, Glenn. Absolutely. Now, we might get some rain tomorrow, so encourage you guys to get out. Do some things, uh, do some fun stuff outside, and uh, enjoy this weather. Looks like we're going to have some rain coming in uh, tomorrow. Hopefully, but, uh, we'll hit seventy today. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I'd, either today or tomorrow, we might only get into the sixties today. We, we should call up uh, our, our Liam. little yeah, yeah. Well, Liam. Liam, help us out, Liam. <laughs> and uh, so, welcome back. We were talking about the uh, the Groundhog Day imp- impeachment saga continues. Uh, I thought Mitch McConnell did a great job. Uh, sort of debunking everything, talking about how Congress is completely derailed. And, and, and here, here is where we are. Uh, here is where we are today, folks. Um, as of Donald Trump's inauguration as president, these folks did everything that they could do to keep Donald Trump from being elected. And when they failed, when you elected Donald Trump to be your president, that is when this uh, 
demonic possession, this deranged disorder, this psycho, <laughs> this, this malady that we have come to know as Trump derangement syndrome set in for so many of these folks. And they have been infected ever since. And I think one of the, one of the uh, side effects of Trump derangement syndrome, Glenn, is you can't think clearly. No. They don't see where this is headed. They obviously are not smart enough to, uh, to read the tea leaves and extrapolate forward two or three moves because I see all of this backfiring on them completely. It's already starting to backfire. If you look at the polling, um, you know, pr the president's uh, approval numbers since he came into office have hovered typically around 45 percent. Since this all, since the impeachment, since shifty shift, and his cronies, uh, Nadler, everybody on Capitol Hill, rolled the impeachment train into high gear and jammed the pedal to the metal. Guess what? <laughs> President Trump's approval numbers are going up. So it's, it's unbelievable to me that they don't notice any of this. By the way, the, um, the support for impeachment, the impeachment uh, inquiry and now proceeding, falling even as Donald Trump's approval numbers are rising. So I think Donald Trump, the latest poll I saw, he, I saw one poll where he broke into the uh, above 50%. I think he's at 52% now. And we talked about that yesterday on the air. He's been hovering well below that. So he's higher than he has been. Support for uh, the Democrats generally is falling. Um, the Democratic message in, uh, on the campaign trail is not resonating. We'll get to that. But specifically, public perception of the impeachment uh, process and the proceeding is in freefall, even among traditional Democratic voting blocs. Uh, the support for what uh, Nadler and Schiff and, and Pelosi are up to is, is falling. Um, back in midsummer uh, or back in September, the, I, I, and I don't have the specific sheet in front of me, uh, there's a substantial number, for instance, look at the uh, minority community, African-American community, look at various voting blocs that are traditionally supporters and not aligned with the president, but supporters of Democratic uh, uh, political um, candidates and Democratic uh, political initiatives. They were mostly in support of this idea that, that Trump needed to be investigated, Trump needed to be you know, uh, brought to justice, if in fact there was some. That support is falling. Um, even among even among traditional Democratic voting blocs, support for the impeachment process is falling. And it's not just falling slightly, it's falling significantly. So I think what's going to happen is you're going to see this back, backfire um, in, in, a, in a big way. I think you're going to, yes, impeachment is a foregone conclusion. No Republican in the House will support impeachment. Nope. There will be a handful of additional Republicans that will peel off. They, they didn't get everybody when they vote to, they, when they had the, the first opportunity to vote. The, the actual move forward to impeach, the, to move the trial to the Senate, there'll be a few more Democrats that will peel off in those districts where uh, support for the candidate is in question. I mean, you've got some, you've got some uh, congressional districts that are held now by Democrats where Trump actually ha is polling pretty well, and, and those seats are vulnerable. Those guys are going to be the guys and gals those guys are going to be the ones to peel off. It's going to go to the Senate where it's going to implode. It's going to be shown for the disastrously unfounded uh, effort that it is. No factual basis. I think ultimately what will happen, Glenn, when we, we finally get to the bottom of what's happened in Ukraine with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden mm -hmm. and Pierre Delecto 
it's going to be infinitely worse and more corrupt than anything they've been able to conjure up about Trump. It's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> We've all seen the video. I mean, it's yeah. We go, go to YouTube and watch. Uh, go to YouTube and watch Joe Biden brag about what they fantasize yeah. Trump might have thought about doing, or brag about withholding money. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. So what about, uh, it looks like we've got a caller, Glenn, somebody uh, on the line. Yeah, it's Al from Conway. Looks like he's got a question about uh, impeachment. Al, good morning. What's your comment? Good morning. You know, the hearings on Wednesday brought out the mention of Donald Trump's son, Baron Trump, age 13. Now, if I was there when this uh, uh, lady, Pamela Carlin, mentioned that, I would have brought up the name of her wife, Viola Carnales, C-A-R-N-A-L-E-S, and and, and expose the fact that these militant lesbians are the destruction of our our nation. See, mm-hmm. you don't want to talk about this on your radio station, but this is what's killing the youth uh, of the country, and it's uh, supported by the idiot parents and grandparents who don't know that the lesbians are leading the LGBT. well al i don't know if i don't know if parents and grandparents are idiots al that's sort of an unsupported your objection your honor not admissible i into object evidence. i object i object your honor not admissible into evidence yeah. but it's a you know he actually until we ran off the rails into cuckooville uh, yeah. There, there actually was an interesting point to be gleaned uh, from that call. <laughs> yeah, there's just something you can dissect one, out one, of that. One small kernel of, of interesting thought there, just a small kernel, but nonetheless, um, <laughs> Pamela, what she said, it's very interesting that that testimony again, the testimony that talked about Baron. Well, Trump can name his son Baron, but she can't make Baron. He can't make Baron a Baron. Right. That to me. What does that have to do with anything? If, if this was a court of law, I would stand up and I would say, Your Honor, <laughs> what is she talking about? What is, what is this nut job talking about? I actually wouldn't say that. But the interesting thing was that is nothing more than a personal attack, attack yeah. on the president of the United States. You're just saying you're just you're just bad mouthing the president is all you're doing. There is nothing factual about that at all. And nobody in their right mind thinks that Donald Trump is trying to set up a barony. He's not trying to set up a, an aristocracy. He's not trying to mobilize a, you know, he's not trying to designate anybody as, as royalty in this country. And we even talked about that yesterday. The irony is, here's the irony. <laughs> if there is a barony, if there is a royalty in this country, it is the media elites. It is the business elites. It is the the truly wealthy, the 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 uh, financial elites, and I mean the the people who are seriously serious money. I mean um, the media elites, the academic elites, the intellectual elites. Those are the elites in this country. It's not some barony that President Trump is trying to you know insinuate. He might be a he might you know, he might subscribe to the Shriners. He might be a member of some club or but, but Bar, uh, Baron Trump first of all, is a child, and he has nothing to do with this. So shame on you for even mentioning his name, crackerhead. Yeah, and she had a lot of backlash on that, too. Oh, she should have. Yeah, it was, yeah, com- it was completely. But the, the interesting point is that her comments only underscore just how vacuous and vapid this whole thing is. It's nothing but air. It's nothing but air. And um, and so but they accuse Trump of being an elitist. 
We talked about this yesterday on the show. Trump's not, he's not going to set up a barony. If, when Trump builds his buildings, the people that he relates to are the pipe fitters, mm-hmm. the sheet metal workers, the iron workers. Those are the guys. He loves to get down in the trenches and rub elbows with the people who pour concrete. Mm-hmm. That's what he loves. That, that is where he is in his element. And, and yet these people want to sit. Congress wants to have a hearing and invite these ivory tower academic knuckleheads to come in here and spend your tax dollars and suck up your CNN airtime so they can talk about, well, the president can name his son Baron, but he can't make him a Baron. He can't. He's not a king. He can't do what I mean, this is. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get off the train because the next stop is Cuckooville. Okay? We'll be right back. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Hang with us after the break with this, uh, these messages from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. I pulled into Nazareth, was feeling about half past dead. I just need some place where I can lay my head. that harmony good morning everybody welcome back to saturday morning coffee it is 8 21 a.m on your saturday morning welcome back to the show i'm reese boyd your host here for saturday morning coffee in the second cup hour welcome welcome back thank you for staying with us hope you're enjoying the show hope your uh, saturday morning is getting off uh, on the right foot we're here to help you do that i wanted to remind you guys that you can dial in share your comments share your thoughts share your sane comments your sane <laughs> thoughts you can reach us at 843-903-2945 we do take all callers but we do expect some level some modest level of uh, rational sanity uh, to uh, underlie any any comment that we broadcast and politeness and not uh, cutting on uh, uh, but you know uh, hey walks of life um you know that's the great thing about freedom of speech uh mm. you need to be we need to be able to discuss anything but we also have to be able to discuss it in a, um, in a in a respectful manner, and mm-hmm. um, and that's something that we've always, for the most part, been able to do. But as we've discussed here today, that uh, that's not uh, any longer uh, the case in many areas. Um, and it's interesting. We were talking about uh, college campuses, Glenn. You know, it's funny to me that on college campuses here in America, in the United States, you have basically young people cheering the virtues of socialism. Yeah. Uh, raising up monuments to Palestinian terrorists. That happened at Oberlin uh, in Ohio last week. You have folks who are, um, uh, you know, 
in expressing more distrust of capitalism and more support for the ideals that we hear from Bernie Sanders and, um, and uh, other Democratic candidates on the campaign trail. And compare that to what's happening in Hong Kong. Compare that to the young people who are protesting, uh, people who are being uh, shot, people who are being... Uh, it's unbelievable to me that we have uh, folks in Hong Kong who are fighting for liberty literally with their lives, paying with their lives for the opportunity to remain free. And why does that not resonate with folks on college campuses who are expressing more and more that they're excited about uh, the opportunity to, to uh, all the things that we have to look forward to when the socialists inevitably take over? It's, uh, it's just unbelievable. And I don't know if you guys followed it, but the, uh, the elections in China uh, were a resounding defeat. Hong Kong has rebuked Beijing, surprisingly enough, Folks in Hong Kong who can remember what it's like to live in a free society, still most of them do, do not want to be members of a communist dictatorship. I know that strikes many of you as odd, but the vote reflects a human desire for freedom. One of the things we talk about here is less government, uh, lower taxes, because that means more freedom. Anytime government gets bigger, by definition, your freedom is diminished. And the folks in Hong Kong are literally putting their lives at risk uh, to continue to face off against uh, the police and, and the other uh, governmental agencies and forces that are at work uh, trying to beat down the voice of dissent in Hong Kong. You know, Glenn, they're singing hymns in the streets in Hong Kong. They're singing uh, English, you know, spiritual hymns, hmm. you know out of our hymn books they're waving american flags it's astonishing to me that that's happening there and at oberlin in america last week and here in our country uh, you had kids you know raising up uh, a monument to palestinian terrorists in the gaza strip it's mm. just unbelievable i'm like why, why don't can we take the young people in hong kong in the street can we take the young people who are marching for democracy in hong kong and just do a prisoner swap <laughs> some sort of you know can we can we do that? Can we send the student body of Oberlin over to Hong Kong for a little uh, junior year abroad program? You know, just we'll call it campus abroad program. We'll, we'll dispatch them to Hong Kong, let them deal with the Hong Kong police for four years and, you know, continue their studies via the Internet. We'll bring the Hong Kong protesters back to Oberlin. Let them educate the faculty at Oberlin. I think we've got a, I th we might be onto something. Yeah, you might be or just put them in the armed forces for two years. I think that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful idea. Um, I, I, I'm just flabbergasted, though, at the, uh, at the level of absolute naivete, naivete, naivete that we see in some of these polls that we uh, read about in the um, uh, uh, media uh, from our college campuses and kids that are uh, completely enamored with yeah. the stuff that – Bernie and Elizabeth Warren are peddling on the campaign trail. Yeah. Unbelievable. It is. Um, interesting. Speaking of, and I'll, uh, this won't be a full update, but I'll give you guys a tip. Uh, the, uh, one of the segments that we do on the show often is um, things we have to look forward to. We usually play anticipation, Glenn, but I'm springing this on you. This you are. I don't have anticipation pulled up. Yeah, we usually play anticipation, but it, uh, this just flows into the conversation. So I'm going to spring it on you, Glenn. We won't do the theme song. We'll do a we'll do a full update later. But 
uh, anticipation, things we all, we all have read our Karl Marx, and we know that history is an inexorable march from servitude to our capitalist masters to the freedom of communism. We know that. We've read our Marx. We know what's going to happen. We know ultimately that these, so, these socialists are inevitably going to take over. We pay attention to Bernie. We understand the, the, the absolute uh, uh, beauty and, and, and benefit of uh, living in a, in, a, in, a, in a socialist society. One of the episodes that we've had for um, what things we have to look forward to, yeah, we're anticipating. Uh, one of the things we have to look forward to when the socialists inevitably take over is organ harvesting. We've talked about how in China, political dissidents, uh, particularly for the, from the Falun Gong sect and others, are essentially being killed for their organs. And there's increasing uh, amounts of data and evidence uh, that supports that. And uh, this show, uh, this, uh, this uh, article that I noticed this week, uh, indicates that there's further manipulation in the organ donation data that China is publishing. Uh, this is an article on uh, not. Um, this is an article from the Epoch Times. Says the Chinese regime is likely referring to the Chinese Communist uh, leadership. Chinese regime is likely systematically falsifying the organ donation data that it is reporting, further fueling concerns that the regime has been forcibly harvesting organs for transplant. Hmm. from prisoners of conscience as a recent study has stated in 2015 the the regime speaking of the chinese uh, communist leadership the regime stated that it would stop sourcing organs from executed prisoners and exclusively rely on a newly created voluntary donation system but Beijing's reported organ donation numbers don't stack up, and there is highly compelling evidence that the data is being falsified, according to a study led by another doctoral student at the Australian National University. Yada yada yada. So the interesting thing is that the data that we're getting from China doesn't uh, pass muster, and it appears that forcible organ harvesting, uh, particularly as it's being uh, subject as ad- adherents of the Falun Gong are being subjected to is a continuing uh, uh, practice uh, in communist China and that the uh, Chinese regime is is manipulating uh, organ donation data uh, to hide the practice. And uh, so, again, one of the things we have to look forward to as we uh, as we move forward on the inexorable march to socialism is forcible organ harvesting. So get ready. So stick with us. We'll be right back with uh, more Saturday morning coffee after these words from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Don't leave town. Talk Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk. Hear that? That's the sound of all-natural hormone-free Angus beef being transformed into the best burger in Myrtle Beach at Burger Fun. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a fighter. But I see it in you, so we gon' walk it out Ooh, mountains 
everybody welcome back to saturday morning coffee it is 8 34 a.m hope your saturday morning is going well wanted to uh thank y'all for joining us staying with us for the second cup hour of saturday morning coffee now two hours long from seven to nine every saturday morning we hope you'll continue to stick with us as we uh Embrace this new two-hour format. A lot more room in the two-hour segment. There sure is. It is so much nicer. Much much more relaxed pace. Yeah, it is. And you're getting a lot more in. Yeah, so it's good. Had a couple of emails this week. We got a caller waiting. Get to that in just a second. Stick with us, uh, Austin. We'll be right with you. But several emails this week. Appreciate those. Thank you all for uh, writing. One of the things that y'all talked about uh, on one other show, I'm trying to recall who it was. It might have been Jared, my friend Jared Dillian. Mm -hmm. Brilliant guy. Love Jared. Uh, I've got a few things. I think I'm going to have Jared on the show and debate a couple of things. Jared and I agree on just about everything, but there are a couple of points we, we, we disagree on. Uh, you'll have to call me if he wants to hear about those. And, um, but I'll, I would say this. I'd love to have Jared on the show one time, and maybe I'll guest on his, and we'll, we'll do a little back and forth. I think that would be fun. But um, Jared was talking about the state income tax this week. I think that was his show. Might have been mm-hmm. another show. Might have been when he actually was guest hosting for Liz I the day before I did. I think yeah. that's when I, I might have heard that. But we were talking about that same thing uh, a couple of weeks ago on this show. You know, this year we're, we're slated to have a, what is a, uh, suggested to be a $1.8 billion surplus. And you're going to see folks in the General Assembly, I think many folks, scramble to uh, treat this money as a political slush fund, uh, dispense these funds in manners that, you know, serve their political interests um, and help their political cronies, et cetera, et cetera. The, I have said this before and I will say this again. I got a couple of emails on this and thank y'all for sending those emails. They're very thoughtful, very, uh, very much appreciated your comments. I think there are two things that the general assembly should do with that money and future surpluses as they continue, because I think a lot, some of this is a recurring surplus, but some mm-hmm. of that there's, there's a piece of that that's a one-time uh, surplus, but I think we're now in a, in a posture uh, as a matter of fiscal policy as a state, we can anticipate it with the current, economic environment yeah with the underlying assumptions that we should continue to enjoy some surpluses um unless the economy should change and right 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 now the economy is just going gangbusters i want to get to that but i think the general assembly should do two things one of the things they should do is apply some of that money to our unfunded pension liabilities we have a serious problem we could devote a whole program to the problem that we have with our state retirement system. Mm-hmm. Not going to do that today. Don't want to get into the weeds there, but that's a problem. You guys need to know about it, particularly if you are a state employee and you are anticipating a state retirement. Um, that's a problem. We will do a segment on that at some point in the near future. And so uh, mental note of that. But the state employment tax is something that we need to address. South Carolina has one of the highest, the second highest state employment, uh, state employment, state income tax in the Southeast. And that puts us, there are other ways that that money can be raised that are much more beneficial for you. If they have to have that much money in revenue in terms of taxation, let's figure out better ways to raise it. Let's don't raise it by the income tax. One of the things that I don't like about the income tax is when companies are choosing where to litigate, uh, where to litigate, where to locate, uh, who do you think makes those decisions? The, the decision to locate a company in South Carolina is made by the executive team. 
the 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 CEO, the CFO, the people who are then they have a consultant, but they they look at various options. They go out and they recruit these offers, and they get the economic development folks to you know to roll out the red carpet and and uh, and and you know do the things that economic development folks do, and that's all fine, well, and good. But ultimately, a lot of those guys don't want to come to a state with a seven percent income tax because they're making the big bucks, and they don't want to pay a seven percent income tax on top of the federal income tax that they already pay. You've got states like Florida, Texas, growing like gangbusters that don't even have a state income tax. Right. So this is a tax that puts us at a competitive disadvantage. Why do we want to continue to raise money that way? And so uh, at 7%, we're out of step. We're out of sync with the region. And so I think those, those are the two things that the General Assembly uh, should, should work on doing with that money. Develop a plan to get rid of our state income tax and do something to shore up the retirement system. So uh, write that down. You I would guys, have been happy to give up my fifty dollars they mailed me for the surplus this year yeah. to help the state income tax sure. or the state uh, retirement. Yeah, I didn't change my life. Fifty dollars. Yeah. So uh, I think, and and I don't object to that. I don't object to giving the money back. But I think a, a more rational fiscal mm-hmm. policy, a more rational tax policy, and a, right. and a more and a more responsible management of the retirement system are things that I would like to see. Got a call. Austin's on the line. He's been hanging on for a while. Austin, um, I think you've got a comment on impeachment. What's your What's your thoughts this morning? Yeah, I was just uh, wondering where where all this money is going to go after this. I mean, we're, we're they're getting it from the tax tax people and then uh i'm just wondering how much have we spent on this and uh what's going to happen to all that money after all this is done with you're talking about all the money they've spent on investigations and hearings and Mueller reports and yeah not the Mueller report i I mean i know we spent a lot on that but uh i'm saying the shit show that's been going on for the past couple weeks well, you know, it's it's interesting, Austin, and thanks for the phone call. Appreciate your listening. And, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting because they are spending a significant amount of money and, and, more importantly, a significant amount of time. I mean, there are but so many things that, that Congre- congressmen are, are uh, one-task-oriented. They are, they, are, they are not multitaskers. They are solo-taskers. And there are various things that are happening, like USMCA, uh, important trade legislation, things that would truly benefit the nation that need to get done that are not getting done, as uh, Senator McConnell pointed out, because uh, they are they're focusing on this crazy impeachment train. And as uh, Senator McConnell duly noted, it's all impeachment all the time. I, that is going to backfire, and it's a huge waste of time. And but that's what they're all about right now. That's all they they are. They suffer from Trump derangement syndrome. And so to answer your question, the money that they're spending on all this isn't going to come back. They're not getting that money back. That's our tax money. And, yeah, the money is, is, is significant. It's substantial. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also more frustrated about the fact that, that they're focused on this when it has absolutely no reasonable basis of moving forward. It's just a personal attack on the president. They just want to continue to drag him through the mud because – They've made it perfectly clear they're never going to accept this president, and it doesn't really matter what the results are, what the facts are, what the results of any particular report or investigation are. Uh, They're just going to press ahead because in Schiff's mind, the case is ironclad. And how you get that, I don't don't fathom. But And it's like the Pelosi speech that we were playing earlier. Uh, She says the facts are undisputed. She actually said... The facts are undisputed. How do you get that? I have no idea how you can even begin to suggest 
that the facts are undisputed when you've got a president who is tweeting live to the country. Don't believe any of the fake uh, news, the fake facts that these folks are tweeting out and, and presenting because none of it. So the president doesn't even acknowledge that these folks are in the rational universe. And yet uh, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, says, stands up with an apparently straight face, uh, perhaps uh, with a little bit of slippage, as we have noted, but states unequivocally that the facts are not in dispute. It's just bizarre. It's completely bizarre. And, you know, one of the things one of the things that we've talked about often in this program, you're entitled to your opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. And 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 I'm a lawyer, the criminal justice system, the civil justice system. Everything turns on the idea that there is one truth, that there is a truth out there and that you can, with the appropriate process, get to it. The guy is either guilty or he's innocent. The contract was either breached or it wasn't. We, we present the facts. We ask a jury to look at the evidence, make a decision. But there is ultimately one set of facts. The court system, the criminal justice system, the civil justice system all turns on the idea. It all hangs on the idea that there is one reality, one set of facts. And the whole process, the criminal justice process, the civil process, is all aimed at ascertaining what actually happened. Did, did the defendant actually shoot the victim? Did, the, did, the, uh, did this uh, tortious act actually occur or not? Those are the things that we try to answer. It's not just what happens in the courtroom. The rule of law also hangs on the idea that there's one reality. If we ever get to the point in this country that we, can't re- that we cannot agree with our political opponents on what reality is when Nancy Pelosi has her reality and I, Reese Boyd, have my reality and we're both pursuing our own reality, we got a problem, folks. And I think that's, unfortunately, I think that's where we are. Yeah. I think that's where we are. And we've got to fix that somehow, some way. So hey, Austin, uh, Austin called back. He oh, said, he uh, yeah, he he said his question uh, he wanted to ask you since you're an attorney is um, that if the Democrats fail in proving their case, shouldn't they have to pay back the American people all the money that was spent on trying <laughs> to prove this case? <laughs> Wouldn't that, Austin, that is an excellent idea. I thought so. Let's get Tom Rice on the line. Let's get Tom <laughs> Rice to introduce a bill that if impeachment fails, the Democratic National Committee must write a check to the U.S. Treasury yeah. for uh, what what do you think? Two hundred million? Two hundred whatever million? it cost us. I whatever mean, it yeah. costs. We'll send the Democratic. We'll send Nancy Pelosi <laughs> a bill to the DNC in care of the Speaker of the House. Two hundred. I think that Austin. That is a brilliant idea. Write that down. Yeah. Write that down. Let's get Tom on the line. And get that legislation drafted. What a show! Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening, uh, Austin. Thanks for your brilliant comment. That's an excellent idea. We'll be right back with more Saturday morning coffee. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, and more coming up next on Talk 94.5. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours, two full hours on Talk 94.5. I will fight, I will fight for you.
I always do until my heart is black and blue. And I will stay. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I will fight for you until I am black and blue. That's exactly what I will do. You know, I get the impression that uh, that's what our president's doing sometimes, y'all. He's fighting for us until he is black and blue. And I hope y'all appreciate that. Interestingly enough, while all of the impeachment train uh, proceedings roll forward with the pedal to the metal, with the Nancy Pelosi high-heeled foot on the pedal to the metal, uh, President Trump just continues to roll along, making and keeping America great. Jobs information rolled out for November. Uh, some of the best economic data that's ever been reported. 266,000 jobs created in November, much higher than official uh, previously announced expectations. Unemployment remains steady at 3.5%. Labor force participation, participation rate is a respectable uh, and steady at a respectable 63.2. October uh, job gains were revised upward for an additional uh, 28,000 jobs to uh, an additional 156,000 jobs in October. Likewise, September job gains were further revised upward to reflect an additional 193,000 jobs. That means during the last quarter, quarter, on average, more than 200,000 jobs have been added to the economy every month. And so while all of the nonsense that's uh, occupied the Beltway continues to progress with little regard for what you think about it, whether you're paying attention, whether you even care, whether it's factual or whether it's completely uh, fantastical, uh, President Trump has just continued to do what he can do to uh, support a growing economy. And uh, it is, in fact, uh, growing. And we've got better data on that now than we've had in uh, quite some time. Uh, November farm payrolls, uh, as I said, surged by 266. The previous prediction had been 187,000. Unemployment rate ticked down to 3.5 from 3.6, back to the 2000, you know, 2019 low and matching the lowest jobless rate since 1969. Average hourly earnings have risen by 3.1% over the last year. Um, and it's frankly one of the, the strongest job markets now that we've been that we've had since we've been maintaining the data. Uh, minority unemployment, all time low, uh, African American unemployment, uh, all historic low, Asian uh, unemployment within uh, Asian American unemployment, all time low. And so it's unbelievable uh, that um, uh, folks continue to say that Trump's not qualified to be president. He's just continuing to, to you know, work himself black and blue. They also predicted the stock market would crash. Uh, hasn't happened. Not going to happen. The stock market's uh, currently uh, uh, reaching historic highs again. So interesting that uh, all those predictions of how devastating a Trump uh, presidency would be for financial markets have not come true. Uh, job gains remain uh, uh, historic in their, in, their, uh, in, their, in their proportion. Stock market continues to reach for historic highs. So, and Trump just continues to do his job. And that's, uh, that's one, one of the reasons uh, we think he's an excellent president is he's not going to get uh, distracted. From... And consumer confidence is very high. Oh, yeah. I mean, people are out spending money. Yeah. So interesting stuff. 
Time, uh, Glenn, if we have just a couple of moments for, we haven't gotten to um, uh, one of my favorite segments in a while, Things That Make You Go, hmm. Things That Make You Go, hmm. One of my favorite segments here on Saturday Morning Coffee, Things That Make You Go, hmm. Here's a tweet from Candace Owens this week. If somebody had told me 10 years ago that Taylor Swift would come to further division, hate, and lies, and Kanye West would come to champion, champion unity, love, and Jesus Christ... I would have deemed them clinically insane. <laughs> and yet, America, here we are. Things that make you go, hmm. Wow. Unbelievable. This, uh, this text from John Solomon, uh, interestingly enough, another fascinating story here. We could do a whole show just on this tweet, Mr. Producer. Adam Schiff arbitrarily releases my phone number. John Solomon, of course, is a widely regarded uh, journalist for The Hill the paper of record inside the Beltway. Adam Schiff arbitrarily releases my phone records as a First Amendment protected reporter. State Department bureaucrats reportedly monitored my social media. A witness gratuitously drags a 13-year-old boy into impeachment. Whatever happened to civil liberties, privacy, and decency? That's John Solomon, tweet from this week. Things that make you go, hmm. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Here's a good one from Senator Rand Paul. By releasing the phone records, and we haven't even gotten to this. This is a whole other segment of how Adam Schiff uh, has abused his authority uh, in his position uh, in, in connection with this investigation. Uh, more, frankly, more than the president has. So we'll be talking more about that in the weeks ahead. This is Senator Rand Paul, tweet from December 4th. By releasing the phone records of GOP members... Donald Trump lawyers and journalists and others he does not like, Adam Schiff, Shifty Schiff, is doing exactly what he's accusing the president of doing. He's using his power against his opponents for political purposes. Absolutely. How is that not true? How is that not true? Tell me, counselor, tell me where that's incorrect. I have nothing because I've You got nothing. True. No, it's an abuse of power. Here's a great one. Things that make you go, hmm. Another great one. This is Kaylee McEnany. I graduated from Harvard Law School, and I am grateful that Democratic impeachment witness Noah Fellman did not teach me constitutional law. Horrendous that Fellman advocated for impeachment 46 days after Donald Trump's election. Law students paying large tuition dollars deserve better. Things that make you go, hmm. hmm. And that gets back to the, the comment that I was uh, making, Glenn, about, you know, the, there are elites. There are elites. Sure. But they're not the barony that, that President Trump is creating. No. President Trump's not creating any barony. He's comfortable with us. He's, he's one, he, President Trump is a man of the people. But there are elites in this nation. There are the governmental elites. There are the deep state elites. There are the bureaucrats, the deep state apparatchiks. Mm-hmm. Deep within the bowels of the State Department, the Department of Justice, the CIA, the FBI, they are an elite. The academic elites, the Harvard Law professors, why are, there, why are the Democrats parading out Harvard Law professors to testify at an impeachment hearing? Why do we care? Oh, teaching us about the Constitution and yeah. the Bill of Rights? Yeah. So <laughs> what facts, what facts about the impeachment of Donald Trump, do they bring to the table? Answer, none. none. Zero. Things that make you go, hmm. hmm. 
Last one I'll share with you. This is from Jack Prosebiek. Uh, raise your hand if you agree that Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff should be impeached for abuse of power. Hmm. <laughs> My hand's up. Y'all can't see it. Adam Schiff abused his power by targeting his political opponent for political gain. Can you imagine if Republican members of Congress went digging through a Democrat's phone records? You would never hear the end of it. It would be nonstop wall-to-wall coverage on CNN, which, you know, by the way, Glenn, CNN has a new tagline. Oh, what's the new tagline for CNN? This is CNN. All impeachment, all the time. <laughs> this 24-hour impeachment is CNN. Only on CNN. So it's just unbelievable. Things that make you go, hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. So thanks for joining us, y'all. It's been a great show. And uh, thank you for tuning in for the second cup hour of Saturday Morning Coffee. Keep the emails coming in. We'll be back next week. We will be back next week with uh, more of the uh, hot topics of the day. Much more to discuss with you. I had more that I wanted to get to today, Glenn, even though we have a second hour. Maybe we should add a third hour. I still have more. I still have more in my stack. <laughs> we could have Saturday with Reese Boyd. Yeah, I've got. I've got the whole day. The whole day. We'll go eight hours. <laughs> Maybe 12. Ch- Chad's back here Chad, saying, no, Chad, you yeah, can't take me Chad, off the Chad, air. Chad's like, what are you doing with my show, dude? <laughs> So, Chad Caton is coming up next. I told Chad this week, I said, Chad, we wake him up with Saturday morning coffee. You fire him up. So y'all are about to get fired up. Uh, Stick with us. It's been a great show. I'll leave you with this bit of wisdom, my favorite bit of wisdom from the Proverbs. This is from Proverbs 3, and it's uh, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Y'all be blessed. Have a great week. Join us next week for more Saturday Morning Coffee.